Welcome back to Lift Up Your Hearts podcast. This is a podcast to help us to grow in our relationship with the Lord, to help receive His graces and His great love for us. This week we'll be meditating or contemplating the 18th chapter in the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. This is kind of typically what some might call the the passages on fraternal correction. But um, something stuck out to me in my prayer in this at the very end, and we'll talk about that soon. But first, as Ignatius says, we are to contemplate, we are to think about how the Lord looks upon us. So we'll take what Ignatius says is the time frame it would take to say about an Our Father and to contemplate how the Lord looks upon us. Again, this is with great love and mercy. Father Gallagher, if, if some of you are listening, I highly encourage you to listen to Father Gallagher's um, session on hallow, on contemplative prayer. It's This is exactly what we're doing here. He has a wonderful series right now. I think it's a six or seven part series. It just finished. But he reminded me that the, this this section were to, you know, in some ways to think about those moments, those precious moments where the Lord encountered someone in Scripture. What strikes me the most, especially when he mentioned the woman suffering with the hemorrhages for 12 years, and he turns to her, you know, everyone else is, you know, there's a huge crowd, and she she wants to go there, you know, unnoticed, just touch the hem of his garment and to be healed. And of course he stops and, you know, he asks his disciples who touched me and they reasonably say like, you know, there's a huge crowd. How could we know? And she comes to him in fear and trembling. And he says to her, daughter, my daughter. And so... That is one of the ways that we are meant to enter into this time of prayer is to is to contemplate how the Lord I will contemplate how the Lord looks upon me. And sometimes it's just really good to use to start our engaging our imagination right away and to think about him saying to you daughter or son, beloved son, beloved daughter. And what does it look like when he gazes upon you when he says that? So take a minute to really let that kind of wash over you. I use the language of wash over you because if you've ever been in a waterfall and you can, you you might get some of this sensation when you're in a you know a all-encompassing shower or something like a really heavy shower but really it happens the most like a waterfall where there's just an immense amount of water washing over us and 
not only does it kind of cleanse us, but you know, it drowns out absolutely everything else. And in order for us to enter into this prayer, it is quite beneficial to try to drown out everything else that's happening. All the other cares and things that we might even have anxiety about and to take this time to just be with the Lord, to sit across from him and allow him to gaze upon us, allow him to say, beloved daughter, beloved son, and to allow that gaze to wash over us and drown out everything else. So this week our meditation is on, we're still going through the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 22. And what really struck me, also Father Gallagher says, when we're going through this, we ought to stop where we found some connection with the Lord and he's started to speak to us. He likened it to having a row of five houses down the street. And we're looking for a friend. We're looking for a dear friend. And if we happen to find that dear friend at the first door that we knock on, we have no need at the time to go to the next four houses. We're meant to be there, right there, with our friend at the first house. And likewise, if we knock on the first three and he's not there and then he shows up at the fourth one, we're meant to stay there. So Ignatius gives us, like I've said before, a lot of freedom within this to enter into the scripture and to rest where we find rest and to dive deeper where we find some type of opening. You might liken it to kind of, you know, Saint, maybe even St. John of the Cross would talk about it going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. You might think about going even deeper into like a cave system. And you really only go into spots that there's openings, you know, or where there's light or there's a big enough spot. And in those places that are closed off, you simply... Don't go to those spots. So when you hear this first passage where we're trying to get the setting, where we're at and what's happening, this is one where Jesus kind of gives a teaching. So, you know, we might just sit there. And as we already have that contemplative, imaginative mode going where we're looking at Jesus as he looks upon us, we might even imagine him just saying these words to us. Imagine him just speaking these words to us as if we're one of the disciples. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, 
so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as if you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whoever or whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it should be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So Jesus is here with the disciples, and he's teaching them. And maybe even, you know, maybe even something has happened within the within the group, and he he might need to correct something. And he's teaching them how to correct each other. And just like Father Gallagher said, you know, we we walk we walk down that road. And if our friend is not in that first house, we we go to the next one. So for me, this passage didn't quite strike me that much right away. Uh, The first part, maybe it's because I've I've heard it many times. It was one of the teachings that, you know, I've been given on fraternal correction, as we called it, and to first go to that brother. So there's a there's that's probably the thing that st- sticks out the most is we don't go to anywhere else we go right to that brother and so ignatius asks us to to contemplate this whatever strikes us or whatever we feel the holy spirit moving us to dive deeper and you might be thinking what what do you mean the holy spirit how do i how do I understand the Holy Spirit moving me to dive deeper into something? Well, it's simply just, you know, a gut feeling in some way. You know, I didn't, nothing really struck me in that first section. But however, there there is something as I dove deeper that struck me in the second section of this. That the Lord guarantees that he'll be there when whenever two are in agreement if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray it shall be granted to them by my heavenly father and it and it kind of it definitely struck me in thinking that do i take that you know i've heard that so many times you know where two or three are gathered there am i in your midst uh, but not just in your midst, but whatever you agree upon will be granted to you. Now, of course, this isn't a manipulative prayer time, but a genuine prayer. And do I take that? It struck me as a question to myself. Do I take that seriously? Will he... Will he answer that prayer? And so this the second time when I read it through, I'm going to reflect on that. And I'm gonna 
and I'm going to contemplate it as if I'm looking right at Jesus and I'm going to ask him, is this really true? Because that's what, that's what Ignatius allows us to do within this prayer time is wherever we find that movement, we can converse with the Lord, we can stop. Wherever we find our friend on that row of houses, we stay there. And today's prayer might mean that I stay, it might mean that my friend's at the first house, it might mean that he's at the second house. And the beautiful thing about this is maybe when I pray with this exact same prayer, two days from now, he's at a different house. And something different strikes me, you know, because something has happened different in my life, where the Holy Spirit wants to speak to me in a different way. And I don't have to worry about whether it's the Holy Spirit or if it's me or the circumstances of my life have allowed certain things to stick out to me or someone said a certain word today and that's why that word stuck out to me. That's okay. That's fine. It doesn't necessarily have to be the Holy Spirit. But I can I can stay there with it and I can converse with the Lord. So this the second time when I read it through and then... After, in my prayer time, alone with the Lord, I'm going to ask him this question. Are there reasons in my life that I don't believe this is true? Or are there reasons that I doubt this? Do I, do I really believe that you're here? Do I really believe that you're with me? Do I really believe you're going to answer this prayer, this request, or whatever it is? And I can imagine him right there with me. That's the one of the beautiful things about prayer. You know, I don't have to be, you know, the Lord isn't, you know, physically here with me. But I can imagine him here with me, and I can allow him to speak to me through my imagination. He gave it to me. He gave me my imagination. So I, I, I think he allows for me to speak to him in that in that way. So I'm going to allow for that. I don't have to question it or doubt it or think that I'm just kind of talking to myself and thinking that the Lord is speaking to me. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. So wherever that friend was, I allow this this second time I'm reading it through, allow that to go a little bit deeper and to converse with the Lord where you find him and where you find those movements. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, Take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth 
shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Wherever that place is that the Lord has perked your interest or started to dive deep, deeper with you, allow that to linger and then to converse with him about it. Oftentimes I go to my spiritual director and at, at some point it was to Father Gallagher and I would say, this is what... This is what's bothering me, this is what's happening, and this is what's going on, and this is what I'm feeling. And he would just gently say, have you, have you talked to the Lord about that yet? Well, I, no. Well, what, what do you think he might say? And, and it, it's, it's amazing how, you know, I can be so different with myself and then I start to talk to the Lord about it and those answers, those questions are answered quite quickly sometimes. So, a, again, amen I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. So I asked the Lord, Lord, is this really true? Do I, do I really believe this too? Do I p- pray in this way that I believe? Are you really there with me? Are you really there with me and my loved ones or whoever I'm praying with? Or maybe that first section of the this passage struck you and and maybe you have some fear and trembling about talking to someone about them sinning against you and you just think there's no way this is not going to go well. Ask the Lord about it. Go to him and while he gazes upon you, say, Lord, uh, you know, say what you feel to him. Lord, no, there's no way this isn't going to work. I don't think they're going to listen to me. They're going to whatever. And... And and for me at least he's he says to me, Well that's that's okay. I'm not asking that it's gonna work. I'm not saying it's gonna work. However, you first need to go to them. And then if that doesn't work, then then you take another friend and in a loving way, then you go talk to them about it. And if not, you know, then you and then he says he treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. 
And in some ways, you know, what at least I hear is then it's not for you to deal with anymore. You leave it. It's, it's, it's not, they're not changing. They're not listening. It's, it's not under your power anymore and you can let it go. And, and of course, this is, this isn't just trivial things. I'm, I'm reminded of St. John Bosco when he talks about correcting young kids. And I try to use this as much as possible with being a parent that he says, don't correct you know the little things he 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 tries to say only correct sin don't don't correct things that aren't sin that may just not be the way you like things to happen or just isn't the most efficient way or the best way or whatever else only correct sin okay only correct obvious sin okay not just saying like, oh, well, I didn't really like the way you did that, or that was too loud. Too loud sometimes isn't isn't a sin, you know. Was it disrespectful? Was it disobedient? That might be a sin. Might be. Okay. But I don't correct too loud in my house, you know. I might have, and I and I certainly wouldn't do that with a brother or a, fr- a friend either. So this might be something that struck you on the first time and and you bring that to the Lord and say, "Lord, I don't know if I can do this." And you might just you might just say to him, "Lord, I need some strength in this." And you might need to pray about it for the rest, you know, that rest of your your time, your 15 minutes, your 20 minutes and say, "Lord, I don't I I I'm going to ask you to give me the words and the strength to do this." And of course, we're not just correcting our brothers for the fun of it. As Father uh, Mike Schmidt says, we have to have a relationship with this person. This implies a relationship with the person. This isn't just anyone that I'm correcting. Okay, this is a brother. Okay, this is a close relationship, and this is only sin as well. So we might have to ask the Lord for that. But this is what this is what this type of prayer allows. It allows us to converse with the Lord about the things that strike us, the things that we're having difficulty with, the things that we have questions about. This is why I really love the Psalms as well. And hopefully later this week, I think I'm going to try to record a meditation on the Psalms. I really love meditating on the Psalms. And and oftentimes I think in Mass they get kind of glazed over or we, we sing a song and we kind of the words aren't necessarily real to us or touch us, but they really are meant to be a guide, a meditation on the truths that are are being said in the scripture. And also the Psalms are just a outpouring of one's heart, you know. I often find them, you know, resonating with me because they might you know, some certain psalms might be a resonation of my own heart at the time, how I'm feeling. And sometimes they're the opposite, Some, you know, totally different. And then I can ask for that to be a part of my heart. Or I can recall some time that that was a part of my heart. So later on this week, hopefully, I might start doing two podcasts a week, 
the the gospel and a psalm and or one of the other readings. Sometimes it's also beautiful to contemplate some of the collects, some of the prayers that the that the priest says uh, at the beginning of Mass when he says, let us pray. We have the prayer over the offerings, the communal antiphon, the prayer after communion, and and these are these are beautiful prayers. I'll just say the prayer before, at the beginning of Mass here. What you know when he says, "Let us pray," and, and we all think of the server has to run and bring the book over. It says here, "O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters." Isn't that beautiful? How how providential. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption. God, our Father, adopting us. Look look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters. Just like Ignatius says at the beginning of prayer. This is said at the beginning of Mass this Sunday. Oh, sorry, this is the prayer for uh, Saturday. What? Well, what a providential mistake. That's so fun. But still, this, 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 this Saturday. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. And then we all say, Amen. God bless you. I hope this was a blessing to you and your prayer this week. If you found some fruits in this these meditations or this podcast, please pass it along to someone else who might find some benefit in it. Until then, I'll see you next week. God bless. Mm-hmm.